0: Coming up today on Growing Grace. You have a choice,
1: and God gives you that ability. You have this ability. You are a thinking, rational, intelligent person who can weigh and make a decision. That's a gift from God. You are a sentient being. You can think things through and make a choice.
0: Place gotta dwell with man Sick Beal be and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom filled with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice
1: for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know
0: me by your love. Hello and welcome to another Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. You know, we're online at thepackinghouse.org and we're going and growing through the New Testament together. And today we pay another visit to John chapter seven. Jesus is teaching at a festival and a division occurs over who Jesus is. Let's lean in and listen to what Pastor Ed has to say about it.
1: Verse 11, the Jews, again, not the Jewish culture, but the Jewish leadership, the priests, sought him at the feast. Where is he, they said, verse 12. And there was much complaining and the people arguing back and forth. Some said, he's good. He healed all these people. How could he not be good? And others say, no, no, he deceives the people. He's just a charlatan. He's just a magician. A lot of disbelief here. That's the first section. Now he's in Jerusalem, verse 14. About the middle of the feast, I said that the Feast of Tabernacles was eight days long. And if this is 32 AD, which we believe it is, the Feast of Tabernacles, the middle of the week, would be on a Sabbath day. So it's Saturday, a high holy day for the Jews. So he's in the temple area. Now, the temple, guys, I want to put that slide up in the center is that golden dome and that's the approximate location of the original temple of solomon today a muslim site but it was there that jesus goes up to it is the most famous university in the middle east at this time and there was a portico a porch solomon's porch 186 columns six foot around huge porch And under it, Josephus said there were 30 universities, 30 different universities, with their own staff of rabbis, doctors of the law. And students would come to them from all over who wanted to learn about how to keep the 613 rules and regulations. I keep emphasizing that because I want you to see the difference between trying to know God by law or knowing God by his grace, his forgiveness. So they're there, and it's there he goes, verse 14. He goes up into the temple, that flat spot, and he begins to what? Teach, teach. There's people all over the place learning, and he just starts talking, and the crowds came to him, and all the rabbis are going, hey, where do all my students go? They're jealous, that's what's going on here. Now, he wasn't afraid to die. Why did he wait to go up? Because God has a schedule for him. He was to come into Jerusalem on a very specific Sunday. And it's prophesied in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament more than 600 years before it happened. And there it says he will come through, the Messiah, will come through the eastern gate on a donkey and the people will sing Hosanna, Hosanna. Sound familiar? What we know as Palm Sunday, but that was during the feast of Passover. Six months from now, God designed the Messiah to die during Passover as a picture of the lamb that was killed in Egypt. Remember, they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt, God sends Moses down there and there's 10 plagues and Moses said to stop the last plague, if you love God, you are to sacrifice a lamb and use the blood and paint the doorposts of your home in the center up above, then on both sides, and then at the bottom, the blood of the lamb. Anyone whose home is under the sign of the blood, looks like a cross, the death angel will pass over anyone who has put their lives under the blood of Jesus Christ, the death angel will pass over you. And you will go directly to heaven. You take your last breath here, your next breath is in front of the king of kings. So, seeing him, you will be like him, is the promise of Paul to the Corinthians. So, the timing, the particular feast that Jesus was to die on, was six months later than this. And so they couldn't have killed him if they wanted to. It was not the right time. So Jesus goes up on the Sabbath day in 32 AD. It was Saturday, was the middle of that eight-day period. And he walks into the university, the most famous one in the Middle East, and he starts teaching. Well, the Jewish leadership, verse 15, The professors there, the doctors of the law, said, how does this man, capital M, how does this Messiah, how does this Jesus, know letters, grammata in the Greek language, where we get our word grammar. How does Jesus know how to read and write? Well, being God probably helped. (laughs) But of course, they don't believe that, and they don't get it. They marveled, wow, this guy, Now, here's what's going on behind the scenes. So the Romans are in charge of Israel. They've taken over the country. They speak Latin. Alexander the Great had come ripping through the Middle East 400 years earlier, and he taught everybody the Greek language. And the Hebrew scriptures were in Hebrew, but they'd spent years in Babylon, 70 years there, and they learned a fourth language, just to confuse the whole thing, called Aramaic. It's a little bit like Hebrew, but it's not the same. So what they're saying is they hear Jesus teaching. He's teaching like a rabbi, like they were in the Hebrew tongue. How does God know how to read and write Hebrew? That's why I just think this is hilarious, okay? It's been bothering me for a long time because the experts say that Hebrew didn't become a written language until first they said the first century. And then we found the Dead Sea Scrolls that are carbon dated at 200 BC, and they had to back it up a couple hundred years. They discovered on Mount Ebal this little thing. Now Mount Ebal was part of two mountains that when the Jews came into Israel, they went to this place, and there were blessings pronounced on one mountain, and in Ebel, Gerizim was that mountain, and Gerizim had blessings on it. Mount Ebel had curses spoken, if you don't do the law. That was found in March. It doesn't look like it, but it's a document made out of lead. They tried to unfold it to read it, And they couldn't, so they used something called tomography that uses energy. Sometimes x-ray, sometimes light. X-ray doesn't penetrate lead. This is not going to be on the test. Don't worry about it. But they had to read it, and they used ultraviolet light. So anyway, inside is a message. The message isn't as important as the language it's written in. It's written in Hebrew. Pre-Hebrew, 1400 years Before Jesus. Moses wrote the the Old Testament in the 14th century BC. Here is the first tangible proof that the experts are wrong. Again, that Moses wrote the Old Testament in this language. Now, you see the figure in the middle that looks like a stick man with his arms up? That's the Hebrew letter for Yahweh. God Almighty, the great I am. is on that little document. This is a Jewish document. Now, first the experts said, well, it's Canaanite. It was before there were any Jews there. Well, you know, that's a hot political subject. Politics aside, Moses had to write in some language. What did he write it in? I believe, I'll make a prediction. Someday soon, some archaeologist is going to find a pile of lead tablets that will be the books of Moses in his handwriting. I, and, and I'm trying to build up your faith that you would see that this is not a, well, you have to believe in fairy tales. No, 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 this is hard archeological proof, scientifically measured, this one is. It obviously is Jewish because it's got the only language in the world that calls God Yahweh and it's on a lead there's the altar the jo- get this that's the altar that joshua stood on 14 centuries before christ is that like an old altar or what and that's where they found this little tablet it's made of lead so what they made ribbons of lead soft metal right you can pound it out and they used a, like a wooden pencil without the lead in it a stylus and they wrote it out, then they took charcoal and water and rubbed it across it, then used a cloth to clean it off, and the charcoal went into the indentations and then they folded it over. It's a book, it's a small book. This is the first Microsoft Word program ever written, that's where they found it. So they say to Jesus, the creator of the universe, how does this man know how to read and write? Wow, Jesus answered. My doctrine, my teaching, it's not mine, but he who sent me, Father God. If anyone wants to do his will, what? If anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning what I teach, the doctrine, whether it's from God or whether I speak of my own authority. Now this is a pretty astounding statement if you take it apart. If anyone wants to do his will, do you want to follow God? No, Pastor, I don't have a heart for it yet. Then ask, God, make me willing to accept your will in my life. And when you do that, he forgives your sins and the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside you. The same Spirit, Romans 4 says, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And the Holy Spirit is a teacher. Now, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, He gives you what I call is a baloney meter. And it works when I say something that's not quite right and you go, "Mm, I'm not sure that's what that means, Pastor. Or you're watching TV on one of these, I won't say it, one of these evangelists. And you go, "Mm, I don't think that's what the word says. And then you go and check the Bible and you were right.
0: Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace and don't leave us just yet. There's much more to come. Pastor Ed Ray is in John chapter 7.
1: You don't need someone to interpret the Bible for you. You just need to listen to the Holy Spirit inside you. That's what Jesus is saying You You will discern whether it's right or not. You may not completely understand it, but if you are willing to do as well, illustration, I had a friend for many years who was a retired, quite a bit older than me, retired colonel from the army, 101st. And he got saved. And when he got saved, it radically changed. He was a hard-bitten guy that screamed orders at people until he got saved. And all of a sudden, he started being humble and asking people's opinion and helping people, very, trying to be very helpful. And he's one of the greatest examples of willing to obey God. And I asked him, why is it that you're, Jim, you're growing so fast? He said, I don't know. He said, I've been in the army since I was 17, and I obey orders. And I figured this book is God's orders to me. The new, t-. And I went, yep. <laughs> and he just blossomed. If you're willing to obey God. Well, pastor, I don't think I am willing. Then pray that God would change your wicked black heart like he did mine. I was born with the heart of a pirate. And God said, no, no, that's not going to work. Give me that heart. And he put in a new one. Still working on it. We're all faced with choices. You all chose to come here this day. You make choices every day. You choose what you're gonna have for breakfast or not have breakfast or or what you're gonna drink, coffee, tea, whatever else, orange juice. You decided to come here and you you made a choice to get into a vehicle that probably has a set of tires on it. Somebody else put on it. And you trusted that guy. What were you thinking? Did he tighten all the lug nuts? I don't know. I don't own a lug wrench. I'm not like that. See, I go out and test it after the guy put put it on my car. Didn't do me any good, but that was the idea. So you have a choice and God gives you that ability. You have this ability. You are a thinking, rational, intelligent person who can weigh and make a decision. That's a gift from God. You are a sentient being. You can think things through and make a choice. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. Jesus is still speaking about how does he know how to read. He says, if I was just speaking about myself and seeking to be well known, if I was trying to get ahead, but he who seeks the glory of the one who has sent him is true and no unrighteousness is in him. He said, I'm not trying to promote myself. I'm promoting God. Verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law? Now, this is a technical argument that Jesus uses against him. And I'm sorry, I have to give you a little background before it makes sense. So Moses wrote the five books, first five books, called the Pentateuch. And Jesus said, you're studying that every day. 613 rules and regulations. That's what you're teaching all these students. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Now, he's talking to a group of professors of the law in the most prestigious university in the Middle East. and He says, you don't know what you're doing. And for some reason, they didn't appreciate that. Why do you seek to kill me? Okay, so they played chess with the law. That's the only way I can think to explain it. And they said that the earliest laws in the Old Testament were more important than the later laws. And if you had to keep the earlier law at the expense of the later law, that was okay because it was more important. And so Jesus is going to play that game with them because he knows what they're thinking. The people entered and said, you have a demon. Who's seeking to kill you? The people who were from out of town. They said, well, this guy thinks people are trying to kill him. Jesus said, I did one work and you all marvel. One work? He healed this guy 38 years next to the pool of Bethesda and Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. But it was on the Sabbath, the day when you couldn't do any work. He said, pick up your bed. That was considered work. Anything that weighed more than what you could put in an eggshell was work, including false teeth. I won't ask for a show of hands, but some of you are working on Sabbath, okay. He said, I did one work and you all marvel. That's back in chapter 5. Moses therefore gave you circumcision. Not that it is from Moses but from the fathers, from Abraham. Father Abraham is what he's saying. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. So he's putting them in a dilemma. They said the oldest law, circumcision, was would override the importance of the Sabbath. And they are Indicting him for healing a man on the Sabbath. He said, you hurt a baby on the Sabbath. You don't think anything bad about that. What's he mean? The law says if you have a male baby, it's born, you are to circumcise it on the eighth day. And for years, people said, eighth day? What's with the eighth day? It's probably some old wives' tale. (laughs) No, no. No. In fact, the eighth day of a baby's life on mother's milk starts to form gut bacteria and by the eighth day, prothrombin, the part of the coagulation cascade that keeps you from bleeding to death, is enticed by vitamin K, which comes from bacteria in the baby's gut. The eighth day is the day you're least likely to bleed to death in your entire life. How did God know that? That's what he said, eighth day. And he designed us that way. Now, I have worked in a hospital laboratory for many years of my life, and I had scientists beside me that said, I don't believe the Old Testament. I give them this example. They get, no. I said, here's the study, read it. Eighth day, coagulation spikes. If you're gonna have to operate in somebody, that's the day. Now, here's the dilemma, but they want to do it on the Sabbath day because they're so legalistic that it has to be on the eighth day. Your baby's born on a Saturday, then on the following Saturday, that's when you have to circumcise him. And Jesus says, you hurt babies on the Sabbath. You can't wait one more day because you're a complete legalist. You don't even think of the kid. And you're mad at me because I healed a man 38 years who couldn't walk on the Sabbath? You're idiots. He didn't say that, but that's what he was thinking. Your argument makes no sense. Verse 24, do not judge according to appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. It's difficult for us to do that, to trust God's word, that there's something in there that makes sense, like the eighth day. Now, some of them from Jerusalem, the ones who lived around the Jewish leadership said, Is this not he who they seek to kill? They knew that the Jewish leadership was trying to kill Jesus. The other people who asked the question in verse 20, they were from out of town. The locals said, how come this guy's getting away with this? Verse 26, but look, he speaks boldly. And they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the Christ? Do they know he's the Messiah? How come they're not confronting him? Because he makes them look like they're complete stupid people every time they do. However, we know where this man is from. Now they talk themselves out of it. But when the Messiah comes to Christ, no one knows where he's from. They thought because the Talmud, which is the book of Jewish rabbis explanation of the law not the Bible, but the explanation of it, the Talmud said he will suddenly appear. Well, he just did in the temple. But the Bible says, not the Talmud, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And we know that's true because when the wise men came, they come to Jerusalem and say, where's the one who was born, king of the Jews? And the priests say, well, the Bible says he's to be born in Bethlehem, and that's why they go there. So the priests knew it, but they're trying to teach the people, we won't know where he came from because they didn't know the Bible. This is where the baloney meter comes in again that you have installed in you. Now Jesus cried out. The word means that he's going to proclaim. He's preaching on the temple mount where they hate him and want to kill him. He said, you both know me and you know where I'm from. Don't tell me you don't know who I am. You know I'm from God because nobody could do these miracles on their own. And I have not come of myself but he who sent me is true, of whom you don't even know. You don't know God, so that's why you don't know who I am. You have not ever surrendered your life to him.
0: Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel, and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube, and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages. Search for Packinghouse Christian Fellowship, and if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help. Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource, It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Would you like to put a smile on our face? Just shoot us an email and let us know you're listening. It's so helpful to hear if a particular series is benefiting your walk with the Lord. It's encouraging too. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. We have another study to look forward to in the Gospel of John next time on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We'll see you then. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion now built with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love, and harmony Let this world know me by your